we discovered a way to retire in our 30s that anybody can do. Of course, not financial advice, but there are actually a few things that we did while working our nine to five jobs that helped us get to that magic number in our brokerage accounts where we realized that we never had to work again. And no, the answer is not cutting out Starbucks and avocado toast, although being frugal does help. And we're not talking about the fire plan where you save and invest more than 50% of your income, but that would help too. And we're not talking about a retirement where you just move to a beach and never do anything ever again. Although I did buy a beach house a few months ago and we'll be doing shows from there for the next couple of months. Uh, everything that we do these days is because we want to. They're things that we're interested in. Uh, we've virtually eliminated the stress that most families have when it comes to finance. So today on Dumb Money, we're going to tell you the wealth hacks that we've used to jumpstart our brokerage accounts to allow us to retire early. This is Dumb Money Live. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to a brand new 2024 season of Dumb Money Live. Uh, for a trio of retired dudes, we sure do uh, work a lot. Somehow we managed to uh, do more than 40 live shows last year. We have we, we had more than 1.5 million views, more than 130,000 hours of watch time, and yet somehow we uh, fell short of hitting that 100,000 subscriber mark, which I kind of feel like is a failure on my part because that's my job. It's, my job is to ask you guys to like and subscribe at the beginning of every single show. I know it's annoying, and uh, I, I try to make it as entertaining as possible, but I, I will make a deal. As soon as we hit 100,000 subscribers, I will never ask for you to subscribe ever again. Chris Jordan, good morning. Happy New Year. Welcome to Dumb Money Live. Happy Happy New Year, man. Um, dude, you missed you, you missed a great New Year in Vegas, dude. You should have came with us, Dave. It was it was awesome. I mean, your your picture looked great that I saw the next day because I was definitely asleep. Uh, I I celebrate East Coast New Year, which comes an hour before Central Time New Year, so I was I was good to go with uh, seeing. Uh, I watched the uh cnn coverage with those two drunk guys oh, hilarious I, uh, I highly recommend that do a shot of tequila he did yeah he did one at the uh the end now they they've toned that down because a few years ago uh cnn got mad at them for for that and they said you can't drink at all this year and then they've, they've slowly worked back into they snuck, they snuck some in it's yeah i mean it's new year's by the way at the end of today's episode i'll give you my review on the sphere in Vegas, ah. which I actually won too. Um, but I don't want. Yes. I'll do that at the end. Uh, I definitely want to talk about that. But first, we do need to talk about retirement because my definition has kind of changed since I've considered myself officially retired. I I used to think of it as the idea of not working, not. But now it's not having a real job and not worrying about money and just kind of doing whatever I want, which I think is a healthier way to live. And I saw a recent survey last year uh, that. 73% of Americans rank finances as their number one stress in life. The younger generations have even more stress. 80% of both Gen Z and millennials say their finances are stressful. So hopefully we can do something today on Dumb Money to uh, to help relieve some of that stress. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't need to be that way, for sure. And I think we each have our own kind of things. We, we've all done different things. and. I know that we each came prepared to talk about one and it's mine is something that we have talked about in the past. What, what is yours? Mine is leverage. 
Leverage, leverage, <laughs> leverage. Specifically, 3x leveraged ETFs like the uh, UPRO, which is three times the S&P 500, both on the upside and the downside. We did a whole show on it back in the worst year of all uh, 2022 in the mid, like in May, you should, you should definitely go back and watch the show because I was, I had just done all the research again and I was very fresh on, on the, the studies, but as you know, leverage ETFs are risky. Uh, no question. Finance gurus will warn you about volatility decay and drawdowns and slippage and derivatives and uh, that you should never, ever hold one of these things overnight. And I ignored all of that and put my entire uh, IRA into UPRO. I did it years ago. I left it in there for years. It it just killed. It, it killed. And I actually have kind of moved things around a little bit. Um, I, I'm currently, I, I, I was looking at, you know, this is my, this is my retirement account, the account that is set up for tax-free. I, I, I moved all of my, um, my, IRAs into a Roth IRA and paid a huge tax bill to, to convert it all. But now I'm in a Roth IRA trying to just maximize whatever I can do, knowing that I, I hope to never actually need my retirement accounts. I plan to never need it, but I didn't want to have required minimum distributions and all of that stuff. So um, that is why I'm currently now 100% in my retirement account in Tesla stock, because that's the one stock that has actually outperformed the uh, triple leveraged S&P 500. But we talked about this the uh, back in that in that other show, which look for the thumbnail with the big three X and a rocket ship. That's that's the one you want to watch. Um, but about a decade, I don't know, probably 15 years ago now, there were a couple of Yale professors who put out this controversial uh, study that confirmed what I unscientifically had as a hunch that three X leverage is going to outperform in the long run. And I will quote now for uh, what they said about using 2x levers. They said, running the numbers on more than 130 years of stock data, we find that this reduces the lifetime risk by about 20%. Not only that, it beats traditional strategies in every historical 45-year span, which is basically every working life. So if you're planning to work for 45 years and you do this early and you do it often, you're going to outperform based on historical data. So, Dave, again, Dave, <laughs> I, I know I get so excited about this because this is something that I told you about before I even did, did it. And you said, you're crazy. This is the you, most insane investment idea you've ever had. But then you thought about it. I, I, I did more than think about it. And by the way, that I researched the hell out of your theory that you came up with or that you had researched. And I tried so hard to poke holes in it. I thought it was insane. I spent days and days trying to find counter research to disprove it. And I couldn't, I couldn't. And now I'm on that train. This is not my idea. Like I, my thing is different than yours. It's kind of related, Dave. I do think it's important when you're talking about leverage to re to restate, this is not financial advice. This is how we were able to retire in our, I don't know, twenties, thirties, uh, whenever that was, but leverage, and I think you 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 also mentioned concentration, Dave. I think you're what you're really saying is concentration and or leverage combined. I love what you're saying, Dave. It's it's a big piece of what I am going to say, but it's just a yeah. piece of it. Uh, but it's, be it's concentration, but also diversification at the same time, because I've chosen a single instrument 
the UPRO, that's the symbol for this, this thing that's three times leveraged the S&P, but it gives you the tax advantages of rebalancing automatically for you without having to pay capital gains taxes. I'm doing it in a retirement account. It doesn't really matter. Uh, there are some people who do kind of a combo of, of UPRO and TMF, which is a three times leverage on the 20 year plus treasury bonds that helps mitigate downside risk when stocks go down and bonds, treasuries go up, uh, which Weird. wouldn't have helped very much when they both were going down. But it's like you can, you can look at people who have done back testing on this. And, and we looked at several studies that found historical data because the UPRO data doesn't go back before 2009 when that fund started. But there are people who have pieced together what it would have been all the way back to the 1800s. But if you look in more modern times from 1950 on, uh, the, Ideal leverage point, the study that I quoted was talking about two times leverage. Ideally, over a, over a long time period, I can't really remember if it's 20 years, uh, but three times leverage actually mitigates your risk compared to just investing in the S&P 500. Dave, and I think uh, what that study showed, if I recall, is that three times leverage actually provides a 2x return over the long term. And that includes yes. the drawdowns. This is all historical data, right? Um, there are theoretical risks that exist here that could wipe out the entire account uh, with this yeah. strategy, which is why this is not financial advice. It's just We're just talking about a thesis, talking about something that we do. Um, Dave, I, I actually it's something have that. that like I, I read in a forum, someone said, yeah, th that's great if you can afford to lose your entire investment twice in your lifetime. But it's not, it's not, it's, it's not, not, it's not, it, it's, not, it's not your entire investment. You that. It's not your entire investment. It's something no, no. less. Than but the biggest entire. drawdowns are like 40, 50%. I think they're higher than that. I think it's higher than 40 or 50, Dave. It's, it's on I, I average over, being, I recall over being like a longer period. If you look at a one year, yes, your drawdown can be greater than that, but massive. Yeah. The thing is, it's not a hundred percent historically, at least based on what the market has done historically, to my knowledge researching this, it's not a hundred percent drawdown because then you would be at zero. But, but even if it was a hundred percent drawdown, technically wouldn't matter because it, the concept is you're still putting more money in that in that vehicle right so if you hit yeah. the 100 percent drawdown once you know like you're still you're still going to have the ability to amass just wealth at a much more accelerated rate it's an interesting it's an interesting strategy it's one that i've employed somewhat in my retirement accounts as well I'm also trading them, you know, but, but I do have that triple leverage ETF. All right. So that's mine. What is your, what is your go-to wealth hack? Well, mine, I feel deeply passionate about. I, I think it is so incredibly important. And, you know, so many YouTubers are out there saying, yeah, retire in your twenties, do this, get rich. And like, this is something that has so been so real for me, guys, there is nothing that I think anybody will ever tell you in their life related to investing or your, your, you know, amassing wealth than, than this one thing. 
it is the ability to have a risk capital account, what I call a big money account, a completely separate investment account that is separate from the rest of your money that you treat differently, where you take big, concentrated, levered risk, where you invest like a millionaire, where you invest like a billionaire, where you do the same thing that guys like us now do every day because you're not concerned with losing the money because the money is designated to grow quickly, right? Yeah. This big yeah, and money that's essentially account. what I, that's how I treat my retirement account. I treat that as my big money account. But here's the difference, I'm not, Dave. I, I don't treat it quite as leveraged and risky as I imagine what you're talking about. No, no. Every individual on earth needs to have a big money account, an account with money that they are not afraid to lose, okay? An account with money where they are able to invest in startups, invest in stocks on margin with options, levered risky, concentrated, an account that will, in many cases, go up by 10 to 100x over the course of a decade. I and this is basically the content. premise of your book that you published a long time ago, Laughing at Wall Street, and that's available on Amazon, uh, if anyone wants to check that out. But it's. But there's it, a I, think, I think another interesting thing, though, about this big money account is how it gets funded. So yes. talk about yes. that. Yes, yes, how it gets funded. You don't put the college savings in this account, right? That's not what you put in this account. This account is funded exclusively with other people's money, exclusively. And what I mean by other people's money is you are putting money in this account that does not come from your wallet. This is money that you acquire through trade-offs in life that, would be sitting in someone else's wallet, but because you made a trade-off, meaning um, because you started clipping coupons and saving 50 cents here and a dollar there, or because you made a trade-off and waited a year to get that you know, piece of electronics or that new, new laptop or that new TV, maybe you bought that thing for $100 less or $200 less, or maybe you started mowing your own lawn, or maybe you you know, do the Graham Stephan thing where you stop going to the coffee shop and you instead spend 20 cents a day on coffee instead of $3 a day or $4 a day. These or are if things... I were to just like buy every other iPhone instead of buying one every year, imagine how much money that would have been. And and I think that's what's interesting is if you think about that big money savings as not the amount you're saving, not the $1,000 you put in from yes. not buying an iPhone, but think of it as a 10X, 100X, this is critical. It's 100x. This is critical because 99% of people are not willing to take those trade-offs in life. They're not willing to clip coupons. They're not willing to think that frugally because the cost savings aren't meaningful enough for them to make that trade-off. But when you start thinking about every dollar that you're able to save, or every dollar you're able to gain by living a little bit differently or doing something a little differently or maybe pushing out a purchase a little bit as a hundred times that dollar, all of a sudden it makes sense 
to find the $3 coupon for that oil change because it's a $300 savings. All of a sudden, it makes sense to, you know, you're choosing between two apartments. One apartment is, you know, $1,400 a month. One is $1,250. The $1,400 a month just has some things that are nicer. But do you know what? That $150 a month savings, if it's $15,000 a month savings, which is what it is because you're going to grow that money 100x when you're investing aggressively, or at least you think you can, and there's a chance you can. If not, maybe it comes in at 10 or 20 or 30x, right? All of a sudden, it's worth getting the smaller apartment or the one that's slightly less luxurious. You know, I know you want to have that cool car, but are you willing to take a lesser car to say 50 bucks a month? Probably not. But how about if that $50 a month was 5,000 a month, which is exactly what it is after you aggressively invest it the way that we think about money. Okay, guys, this is everything. This is literally it. This is the trick. This is the thing. This is the thing that makes you rich. If you're 15 or 20 or 30 or 40, it doesn't matter. It takes about a decade, 10 years. And that's why I like that you titled this episode, Dave, you know, retiring in your 30s, because a lot of the people that watch this show are in their 20s or early 30s, right? And you you want to have that decade. You spend 10 years living like that. 10 years, not 30 years, just 10 years making trade-offs, clipping coupons getting your hair cut every five weeks instead of every four weeks, mowing your own lawn instead of hiring, like all the stuff, right? The Graham Stephan stuff. 10 years doing that and 100% of the money you save goes directly into the separate account. You know what? Your spouse might not even need to know about this account because it's money that you're saving, clipping coupons and stuff, okay? You're not pulling it from other things in your life. 100% of the money goes in that account. And as soon as that gets in that account, you start investing with leverage, concentration, right? You start taking big risk. And by the way, if you are able to get one or two things right in 10 years, in 10 years, if you're able to be a little bit early on one big trend, like, I don't know, electric vehicles or crypto or I don't know, humanoids is the one that we're obsessed with right now. There's always something out there, right? Maybe it's Crocs. Maybe it's Ugg boots. I mean, how many freaking trends have we been early on over the past 15 years? Like 70, okay? So like if you're just early on like two or three of those things over a decade and you're willing to lever up with risk in those trades because you're not worried about losing the money because it's not your kid's college savings. It's not your vacation money. It's money that you shouldn't have to begin with. It's money that you earn by doing these little trade-offs. Dude, that's it. Game over. It's game over. You need to start thinking like a wealthy person because every single wealthy person is taking those risks. You know why? They don't care if they lose x amount of money because they have all this other money so you have to have that money to think like that it's not that freaking complicated it's magical it like it this is it i still don't know how you filled up 300 pages in a book with just that simple concept oh (laughs) if you really want to read into it laughing at wall street's my book from like 2000 i don't know 10 or something but and and the examples are a little dated 
you know, you you yeah. do talk about Twitter, but you don't talk about TikTok. Yeah, it, it, in terms of how you invest, Jack Schwager's Schwager, <laughs> Unknown Market Wizards, which is his new print of that, the new softback, actually has an updated chapter on me uh, yeah. taking you all the way through the pandemic. And that will really teach you social arbitrating and investing w w with, with risk yes, capital. Mm -hmm. But um, guys, I, I know I get excited about this because it freaking works. It just works. We're not financial advisors, but this is how we did it. Um, it God, it, it just works. Please, All right. I, open up we, a separate we, account. We still have more to talk about, so we need to hear Jordan's wealth hack. Jordan, how did you hack your wealth? So early in my career, I read this. This is, you know, this is... Um, there's kind of like a parallel thought process, right? And it, um, you know, you used to go to the, to the, to like Barnes and Noble, you don't do that anymore, but they would have like, you know, a, you know I wrote software for a living uh, for a while and you'd go to the store and see all these books that said how to be, you know, how to learn C or how to learn Perl or Python or whatever the programming language is in 24 hours. Um, and this, um, this guy named Peter Norvig came out with an article and it said, how to be a programmer in 10 years. And so I think that that's the goal, how to be an investor in a decade, right? It's not something that you're going to learn overnight, um, but it's something that you have to put work into and that you have to be consistent at. And like Chris makes the point, you know, being an investor isn't just knowing exactly which company to invest in. I mean, those things are all important, but it's also putting yourself in the position to have the capital ready to be able to deploy, right? And so it's making the trade-offs. It's not spending that money. It's putting yourself in that mindset to where you're saving the money. You're, you're taking however much money you're earning. Sure, you have to live on some. You have to, you know, you have to do certain things with that money, but also just getting yourself in the position, getting yourselves in the habit to where you're putting money away. You're getting it ready to be deployed when you do find that, uh, you know, that next idea. So it's it's how to be an investor in ten years slowly. That's now, okay. So you and I, Jordan, don't have a background in finance. Chris went to business school, right. uh, so he kind of has some background. He worked no, at none of my background firms. in finance it has anything to do with anything I've done to make money in life. Like literally, my entire and that I think it's an important. I think that's an important point. I, but I, I, we're kind of all self-educated on finance and investing. Yeah, I I never needed to go to college. I feel like my four years getting my degree in finance, I've used zero of it. Literally zero of it in my and, life. And I will say the one thing you learned how to do creating spreadsheets. You kind of have the worst spreadsheets of anyone I know. So my spreadsheets are <laughs> terrible. I I just completely worthless uh, for me at least. Um, I, I I think people are so skeptical in the comments right now, and they just don't understand that this work. I mean, I know it's hard. It's hard to believe. It's like, hey. It's so easy to say, oh, yeah, you guys have so much money now. But like, guys, we, we just had normal jobs, all three of us yeah. on this channel. We just had regular jobs making regular money. I was selling stuff for a company. We were just normal nine to five workers 
who opened up brokerage accounts and started investing aggressively and turned tens of thousands into tens of millions. And it's, you know, again, using social art methodology, which is what this channel is all about. Um, but you don't even need to follow social art method. Like you don't even need to invest the way we invest to do this, right? You can invest in real estate if you want. You can invest, you can start a company. You can invest in another startup. Like you don't even have to invest in public markets like we do. There are a thousand ways to actually make money with money. And so this, ep this episode's not really about that. It's about how do you develop the mindset and actually the practical uh, beginnings of forming risk capital so that you can pursue um, the kind of, you, you can actually pursue aggressively growing that capital through one of the numerous ways that are out there. Because no matter how you want to grow capital aggressively, there's one thing that's uniform. All high growth capital requires risk, period. Yep. You cannot go from zero, you know, you cannot go from tens of thousands to tens of millions without massive amounts of risk, okay? And the biggest thing that is stopping people from doing what we've done is they don't have risk capital, period. So this entire episode, a lot of it is about how do you get risk capital no matter where you are in life? And I don't give a damn how much money you make. I don't care what your job is or how poor you are at this moment. I will guarantee you that there is a way for you to find risk capital in your life. When I was in my 20s, and Dave can vouch for this, Dave, how much did my apartment cost a month when I was in my 20s? $375 a month. Dave, I was going to say, did I have a kitchen? You did, did not have, have a kitchen. kitchen. You had an, a little electric thing that plugged in that you could warm up macaroni and cheese on. I don't think you ate well. I don't think you lived well, but you did somehow survive and you put away a big other people money account. Dave, how much was my weekly income? At, during that time of my oh, life, I have no idea. It was it was something insane, like a hundred bucks a week or something. No, right? no, I I, I made four hundred and seventy five to five fifty a week. Um, I remember when I went to four seventy five to five fifty a week, and it was a really big deal for me. So, guys, I don't but, want. I mean, hear any we're also talking that we're super old now, and that I mean, Fine. what what would that equivalent be today? It it, it seemed it, it, terrible at the time, but. It, it would probably be close to double that, but not more than double that. It hasn't been that long, Dave. It was it was literally, we're talking about 1999, 2000. So it was 24 years ago. So let's just say it was double. That's like still like 800 a week. So it, it, it's not like I was making, you know, six, yeah. anywhere close to six figures in today's money. I was making like, in today's money, like 40,000 bucks in today's money, 35, 40,000. So, guys, I, I was living in an apartment that didn't have a kid. I had one little cooktop. You know the thing you buy at Target or Walmart, the little, the little circle thing? I had one spoon, one fork, one knife. The bath, the, the sink in my bathroom was my kitchen sink. And <laughs> I just had a counter. Yeah, this you you embraced this I, early. I, I actually lived like 
one block away from you and my apartment was like twelve hundred dollars a month like the and difference I went between to apartment to feel like a normal person sometimes yeah yeah you did and <laughs> and i also was uh your checking account back then too i think that the iou uh notebook paper was was your form of a credit card yeah so i i i was thinking <laughs> this morning actually I would love, I would love to do a TV show where you know how like Graham is so into being frugal because I, I don't really spend a lot of time talking about being frugal, but just going into just random people's lives who just claim that they cannot get ahead and just completely just finding ways because I yeah. swear I will find ways if I I will go in and find a hundred ways for someone to start finding money for this risk, this big money account, right? There's like, a guy on YouTube who, who does I mean, basically an audit. Of, uh, there's all sorts of YouTube shows that are out right now. I know there's all, YouTube shows. Like, it's really good. Finance shows and people spend and waste money all over the place, right? And so there's always yeah. places to cut back or reallocate. The problem is they don't because they don't know what to do. They don't believe that that money that they're reallocating is big enough to do anything with. That's the problem because they don't understand the concept of high growth investing. And they but don't believe the thing. I that, think, you know, what you're what you're advocating for is just bring the world fought, together. Yeah, you you fought, you two things, right? You, two things. One is that you find the money, you you become self-disciplined, you figure out how do I get is it 50 bucks, right? Whatever it is, can I get that into a Schwab or whatever account? And then two, I've got to pay attention and educate myself on how to take advantage when I see something or when I find out a good uh, opportunity. Like how, what are the mechanics, right? And so there's, it's kind of two sides. And you're basically doing what Caleb Hammer does by auditing people's like bank accounts and credit card statements. You want to do a show where you just follow people around and say, ah, ah, ah don't spend that money. Don't do it because that is your, your that $10 is a thousand dollars. Don't do it. And that, it, I mean, it would be great television. Why didn't, because why didn't you think of that instead of doing this podcast? Honestly, Dave, I see people every day with virtually zero money spending money on things that I would never spend money on. It, it makes me so angry. I'm like, you could, if I could, if I could just get people to believe, to believe that I know they're living in like basic poverty right now, but if if I can get them to believe that making these small changes in 10 years, they would be a millionaire. They would, almost all of them would. Almost all of them would. Like I, I know it seems insane, but almost all of them would. If they well, the just funny thing is, like that mindset, I still have that mindset because I still mow my own yard. I don't go to Starbucks. We have, you know, I drink uh, coffee at home. I, you know, there, there's things that I don't indulge in because I've developed. Those you, habits. you, you definitely are the thriftiest person I know in your tax bracket. This I don't is even, where I, I diverge this is where I diverge from Jordan and where I diverge from guys like Graham Stephan because I'm at a point where I did that for a long time. I did that because in my mind I had, I'm going to do this for this period of time and I'm going to get out of this hole and I'm going to get to this place. And now I did, right? So like now the things that I enjoy more than anything in the world, you know this, Dave, yeah. I love 
going to my coffee shop every day and not only buying my coffee, but tipping a few dollars. And I'm like friends with everyone who works in the coffee shop. I tip them a few bucks and like I spend an hour and a half there. And I love that someone does my lawn because I, I, I just don't enjoy doing the lawn. I know Jordan likes it. I don't enjoy it. I like doing other things. And my time is really important. And I'm I'm still fairly frugal, but the things I like to do, I'm not going to not have my coffee at my coffee shop because it's my community. It's something I love doing. Um, but you don't have to do this forever. And I think that's what people don't understand. It's a short-term thing. It's like a decade, right? It's like, I don't care if you're 45, you're going to do this until you're 55. And then you have like a solid 30 years after that, right? Maybe more. Yep. So like, it's a decade. That's it. It's a and by the way, it's fun as hell because the whole time you're doing it, you're not like, oh, I got two dollars. You're like, no, I just got two hundred dollars. You're not like, oh, I saved eighty bucks. No, I just saved eight thousand dollars. So it's 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 actually fun as hell because you get to all of a sudden instead of like living like a wealthy person, you get to invest like a wealthy person. And there's really nothing more fun than investing like a wealthy person getting to make risky investments that are not lottery tickets you know they they have reasonable chances right to really accelerate your wealth and not every one of them is going to work out but we know from history that a percentage of them do and really the only obstacle is is the inability to invest aggressively if you're investing aggressively with concentration with leverage with all that stuff sometimes it's not going to work but over the long run it works way way better than investing conservatively period like that that is is that not a fact at this point right yep. um let's talk about yeah, what yeah. you're currently triple leveraged in though because i know that you've you sent me a screenshot of your brokerage account the other day and in a day you made a life-changing amount of money all in one stock it's one we've talked about on the show yeah i mean and that goes up and down that was just like one day that was celsius right but the thing is you can't make that investment with your normal money like a rational no person would never have made such a large investment concentrated in one stock with just the idea that uh, that well, caffeine is the next drug that people are going to be addicted to, and Celsius has more caffeine, and Red Bull did well, and Monster did well, and this is going already has this distribution. Uh, you, we had a whole show on that too about the thesis behind why Celsius was was going to turbo. And Dave, I'm already getting excited about going all in levered and concentrated on humanoids at some point in the next two years. I like that, that keeps me up at night. Like, I'm just thinking like, I can't wait until that day when I say today is the day that I'm going to go in so hard and so levered on Tesla for their Optimus humanoid, um, because I feel like we're about to start this journey, this 12 to 24 month journey when the rest of the world is going to see what I know is true at Tesla in their Optimus division. And everyone's going to see it over the next two years. And Tesla stock, I think, is going to go on this epic run. And because of that, I'm going to take a measured, aggressive risk on Tesla. I'm going to 
I'm going to own a lot of Tesla call options. I haven't done it yet, um, but I'm excited about that. And I might be wrong. I think I'm right, but I might be wrong. But I've done that like dozens of times over the past 20 years. And a yes. few of the times I've been wrong and a handful of the times I've been right. And because of the times you're right, you're making literally you're making a hundred times your money over a period of time. Like it, it's, it's, it's just wild to experience firsthand and anybody can do it. And yeah. And the, but the thing to remember is these YOLO trades are not for the faint of heart and not for people who can't just afford to lose it all. And that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Don't do this. Well, we're not telling you whether you should do it or not, but no. I'm also, just saying we're not promoting that, anything. We're just telling you, you know, some of that my, my, my thought is I would never be as leveraged as Chris is on this trade unless I were Chris and had the money to lose. You know, if you yeah, if you can afford to put light the money on fire, then these these kind of like highly leveraged one-off trades where you think you have an information edge over over Wall Street, which is hard to do. That's the only time I would I would consider it. Yeah, and I want to get more granular. Like if I'm investing in 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 a, in a vehicle that could lose all of my money, which generally might be you know buying stocks on margin or investing in options, right? Like I'm not going to put my hundred percent of my big money account in that, but I might yeah. put thirty or forty percent in it because you will be wrong sometimes. And even then, there is a theoretical chance you can lose a hundred percent of your money. But again, this is an account that you've amassed with by clipping coupons, right? And and mowing your own lawn. Yeah, so it's it's, it's it's a mindset of like having this separated, bucketed money where you're it's not going to impact your actual quality of life. You're just doing doing the little things to create a, a side account and then you can there make more there aggressive no moves in that account there are no guarantees in life and there's no guarantees that anything is going to work out but in my life there's also no guarantee that the s p 500 will keep going up forever by the way there's and no so guarantees of anything every, every single stock market except for like the S and P and like maybe a handful of others that are running right now have all failed over time. Right. Um, yes, you're right, Jordan. So you have to take, you have to look at statistical probability yeah. and you want to look at, you know, how, you know, what is the most probabilistic way that an individual can reach escape velocity in their financial life, like a regular person, um, what is the most probabilistic way that a regular person can make changes to reach financial escape velocity over a period of time? I'm going to say 10 years. And I think the best way for any human on earth to do that is by creating a big money account that is a separate account, okay, that is funded with risk capital, uh, funded with money that they're not afraid to lose, that they're willing to aggress invest uh, aggressively, um, that they're willing to invest the same way that a billionaire invests. And that is how I've lived the past 25 years. And it's worked exceptionally well for me. It's worked exceptionally well for almost every person that I've kind of had this conversation with that has pursued this approach. Um, it's not a guarantee, but it this is my way. It's my way and it's something that I am happy 
I'm excited to talk about. And I really like on one hand, it's not financial advice for other people. But if you want to understand how I did it, this is it. Literally, this is it. Um, so and it doesn't have to be investing in stocks either. And and I knew that I, I had seen that this this idea of leverage, my, my idea of the uh, triple leveraged uh, S&P 500 has proven historically to work in other countries. The researchers who I was quoting earlier uh, looked at data from both the Japanese uh, and the London exchanges and found that it also worked for 45 year time periods um, in, in history again. Yeah, history is not an indication of the future and the stock market could end tomorrow. But I'm betting in my lifetime, this the S&P 500, the U.S. stock market is not going to disappear. And if it does, we have way bigger problems than my brokerage account. Something else, some something else catastrophic has happened if, if the U.S. stock market disappears during my lifetime. Well, also, I, 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 if you start to see like big major warning signs of something coming, you're not just going to like bury your head in the sand until it hits a zero. Know. You know what I mean? So. No, I, I sold, I got out of all of this during the uh, March, 2020 collapse. Right. I want to say something else guys. Cause some, there are a lot of skeptical people here. I, listen, there, you know, we're, we're not the only channel that, that has kind of proven that you can grow money aggressively right over a number of years. People that don't know my background, I have, I think audited returns of roughly 70% annualized going on 17 years now of seven, 70. And if you read Jack Schwager's Unknown Market Wizards, the softback edition that came out a month ago, uh, he has a, a chapter and a half on, on my audit and my methodology. But I do want to say this, guys, uh, this year, just this year, forget about what we've been doing the last five, six years on YouTube. Just this year, my total brokerage account, my total account, total portfolio, was up over a hundred percent, I believe. Um, I just that was just me eyeballing it. Um, in I think it was 2023. Up, in 2023, you doubled your brokerage account again, yeah, again, yet again. Like, like there's been I've been done that so many times over the past you know 16, 17 years. Um, and it's not a small account. And and what's really interesting about that is, guys, I believe I've spoken about every high conviction, uh. Uh, trade I've done on this channel in close to real time. Uh, they haven't all worked out. Most of them have this year, obviously. But everything that we do, for the most part, uh, we just talk openly about it. And, uh, you know, it's right here. It's like right like in our Discord. Almost everything that I do, I talk openly about in the dumbmoney.tv forward slash Discord channel like so whether you're following guys like us to get ideas or following other people on youtube it really doesn't matter all i'm saying is there's tremendous information out there right like there are people that are doing spectacular things that are just sharing it with the world because they enjoy sharing it um i've never made one penny off of this channel i don't have courses uh you can't pay me money for anything uh, I don't know if we have advertising, but I've never seen a penny of it on this channel. But like, we but, do only because it helps with the YouTube algorithm. If you don't yeah. see, if you don't watch the ad, it kind of why would why would YouTube show you free content? 
but but what I'm saying is there are, and we're not the only people. I, there are other amazing people out there that are sharing everything they've ever learned and everything that they do with the world just because they love doing it like we do. Um, there are plenty of outlets to make money. I think the biggest issue is people are like, Chris, I saw when you put all of your money in Abercrombie or whatever back in May, and I could never take a bet that large. And I understand that. Or I saw when you did that with Uggs this last quarter, remember on the UGG trade mm -hmm. and you were levered up in UGGs. I saw when you went crazy with Crocs earlier in the year, that seemed insane when Crocs is on the down and out, or maybe it was last year. I don't know. But like all these weird trades that we do that seem really risky and concentrated. Um, like I can never do that. And it's because you don't have a big money account. That's why you can't do it. And so what we're trying to express in this episode is it's not, it's not that, you know, you, anybody can do what we do. They just need to have risk capital to not be afraid to do it. And that is the obstacle. That's the hurdle here. And so this episode is about having that risk capital account. How do you do it? How do you fund it? Because that almost is more important than how you decide to grow the money. Whether you want to go follow these real estate guys, right? Like, whether you want to go do the, the meat kevin thing and start flipping houses right like i don't know about that stuff that's not my world i'm sure you could make a crap load of money if you do that stuff effectively but you also need money to do that you need to put money at risk to do that stuff right so i don't know all right that's so it. i need to hear uh, about uh, your trip to vegas and the sphere yeah i also want to say really quick because uh, people are talking about crypto and stuff I, listen, it's just not my area of expertise, but I do want to give some people credit. There was an opportunity to make massive amounts of money, and there probably still are on crypto. Uh, I don't want to talk about this having thing. I just, I'm, this is not the channel. We don't have the expertise on that. But even with crypto, if you have a big money account and you follow these crypto channels and you don't know if they're right or wrong, it's, it, it's, it's less <laughs> risky if you're doing it with money, right? That is designed for high risk that you're not afraid to lose. So can't talk about crypto, but I will talk about the sphere. Dave, it was technology wise, one of the most interesting things I've ever seen in my life. It was fascinating. It was a 50 minute movie, Postcards yeah. from Earth. Uh, I thought the movie was pretty cool. It was a little bit preachy, um, but it, it, you were going there for the spectacle. And here's the my issue. Did it, did it deliver was it as impressive as as you thought because we see all these videos and then i saw one it, review it's like yeah once you get close to it it gets real low res and not very cool looking um, and the the preachy movie is talking about how to like be good to the environment and yeah. spending three billion dollars to build a giant video ball in vegas like is that a good use of resources so i i i would say it is worth seeing one time. Uh, at, you know, if I was viewing it as an through an investor's lens, I'm a little bit concerned about what the future is for Spear. I think that movie's not it. The postcard movie is not it. Um, you know, my wife asked me when we left, she's like, would you ever want to go back? And I was like, you know, I'm kind of old school. When I watch concerts, I actually just want to see and engage with the band. 
I don't want to see all the visuals. I, I've never been a big fan of all like the extra stuff that they have at concerts. Um, I'm more about the music and the band and looking at the musician and stuff. So like, I don't think I would be that pumped to see concerts there. Maybe there's an application for Sphere that's going to be incredible, but I haven't seen it yet. And I don't really know what's going to be happening at Sphere seven, eight, nine years from now, 10 years from now, that would get me to go back. Do I they just feel like if, if the back? band if the band is going to be what gets you back, there are shows that have been running in Vegas for decades, and people keep going to it. And this is just yeah. a different venue. And I think that they're going to keep a rotation. They're not going to have the same band for for a decade. But... No, I, I I think that could be it. And there are, you know, we were t everyone was saying the same thing. Like this would be great for like a DJ that's doing like really cool imagery type stuff. But the seats are so like you know what do you call it like the vertical it goes straight vertical. up right i don't think they want people dancing in those seats like they just want people seated seated safely so they're it's that's just like a giant of, omni movie theater basically right because we, we had one of those in dallas that was like you could go watch nature movies and you walk in and you feel real dizzy because the seats go back and the dome is well, yeah the difference is you can't buy 28 dollars drinks in that yeah well let's oh, let's be honest yeah. it's way that better way than better. an imax okay it's way this everything about it but an omnimax the omnimax is the same dome it's just not as big yeah they should they should make that. the youtube concert as a video that we can just like watch here it's better than that but i don't really know what the future is i i'm not as ex i'm not super excited about it yeah going forward. well i wasn't excited about it as an investment other than the initial hype cycle like this thing is what everyone's talking about it made it on all social media i don't even know what the stock's done i'm i'm guessing this is just my prediction there was a little spike and then it kind of dropped off i don't even know is that right totally true i think the coolest thing about it is still the exterior that that still blows my mind like seeing that in vegas was absolutely awesome um by the way but it's Lily, all, it just runs ads all the time now it's kind of become I, an eyesore already they, the ads are cool though. They're it's still awesome to see. Um, you know, All right. Lily asked a quick question. Uh, do I have the same risk appetite for the charitable trust account as my taxable brokerage? Those of you who don't know, I had in I had the ability to open up a charitable foundation a couple of years ago. No, Lily, um, you have to invest with the government's prudence rule. So there's no leverage, there's no shorting, there's no buying on margin. Uh, there's no, I don't even think I can use options. So I can't really invest my charitable account as aggressively as I would like. Unfortunately, I wish that wasn't the way, but I can't. Do but you still, you're, you're probably, I'm guessing, are still highly concentrated in a few small things. That's the one thing you can do that's more aggressive than having a broad basket of stocks and bonds. Yeah, but it's really and... hard for me to generate 70% returns in that account. I can yeah. kind of go for like, you know, 15, 20, 25% returns. But without leverage, it gets it gets tough. So how long are you going to keep this up? Are you going to at some point just say, okay, I can actually retire from actively trading my account? Because while we're retired, we don't go work anywhere. You are no. constantly working on trade ideas. Yeah, Dave, I mean, no, never. I will I will do this to the day I die. I mean, I, I have ambitions to grow. Do you have that. anyone, do you have anyone like 
you should probably designate me as the ability to just like pull the key on your your trading so that once you have gone senile and you've just <laughs> lost your mind even more than you already have you've been saying this, this for someone a long... who can who can like pull a trigger dave you've been Make... saying this for a long time and i think about it now and dave really thinks that i'm gonna go senile and start yes. going crazy at some point um most You've people looking at your account would decade. think you already have gone crazy. I would at least know, okay, no, he's still doing his thing. He's still going to make his 100% return this year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no. you know how fast you could blow up an account if you I, lost your I'm mind. Gonna, you, you know that I've become way more uh, responsible over the past, what, couple decades. You remember what I did used to do, right? Like. <laughs> Like, this is, I used to get cash advances off of my credit cards to then go buy stock on margin, on margin. and options. Yeah. Okay. So I was cash advancing to buy options. And yeah, that's how I went broke in my 20s. <laughs> While that's, I was. That should have been your other book, How I Went Broke in My 20s. advice on this channel, but. I don't think that that's a good idea. Oh, I'm pretty yeah, sure. No, that... No, that, specifically, that is not a good idea. Do not, <laughs> do not get cash advances on your credit cards to go buy stock options with. Um, that is never, not never speaking from firsthand experience on that one. That was when I thought there was such a thing to be willing to. It's one. So, like you know, in a lot of this, you're talking about a big money account, which some people have asked, "What is that?" It's an account. That when you place a trade, like you know, this is just an example, but if you place some big heavy options trade, you've got to be willing to lose that money, right? So there's you've got conviction, you've got a reason for doing it, you've got the you've got the whole story down, but anything could go wrong and you could lose a significant portion of that, right? Yeah, so this yeah, Jordan, money account is so so it's one thing to say, I'm willing to lose this money in a trade. It's another thing to say, I'm willing to lose money that I don't even have on a trade that now I'm going to owe. So that's even, Jordan, the that's way even... I've always thought about it is I was always willing to lose about a third of my account portfolio on a bad trade. So, you know, I was placing a bet that I would never make three <laughs> catastrophic trades in a row and I never have. So, um, don't take it, a payday loan to play roulette. Got it. It's not, it's, it's that's never been about, it's never been about roulette for me. I don't see that. I don't see investing as gambling. Um, you know, if I thought if I thought trading was what I do was gambling, that that would be a whole different thing. That's not what it is. You don't generate 70 ish percent returns annually for 16, 17 years uh, th through a gambling model. Right. That's just not how gambling and probability works. Um, what we do here on Dumb Money with social arb investing is truly special. We're not the only ones. There are many people in the world that have figured out hacks on how to grow money, how to start businesses, how to flip real estate. Uh, my gosh, I mean, there's you have more access today in 2024 than you've ever had to tap into people who have, fit, who have cracked the code, the code of making money in many areas of life. We just happen to be focused on observational investing, which is what we social arb is a fancy way of saying observational investing. So observational investing with leverage 
uh, can be very risky. And that's why we say the best way to do it is inside of a, you know, what we're calling a big money account, which is basically an account that has aggressive risk capital in it. And the best way to fund that account so that it can become risk capital is with other people's money by making trade-offs in your life, clipping coupons, you know, postponing purchases, downsizing various components of your life uh, because you want to have a risk capital account. You want the ability to invest aggressively the way we do. You want to be able to make 100x on your money over a decade. I did my 100x over three years back in 2007. From 2007 to 2010, I turned 20,000 to $2 million observational investing with leverage, with options, right? With margin. And uh, that was and, three and years. And we have to remind everyone that that included the global financial crisis of 2008 it in did. your 2007 through 2010. It did. And it did. Yeah. And, and 2008 was not was uh, was not a great year. I think I was roughly even that year. So it was 2007, 2009, uh, you know, were the really big years. But anybody can do this. The concept of generating 100 times your money is super feasible. Uh, I know people just think I'm insane saying that, but it's uh, yes, I did it over three years. Doing it in 10 is absolutely feasible for any human on earth uh, being an observational investor. Do you have to spend a little bit of time? Yes. Uh, by the way, I want to say that even like during the pandemic, about 70% of my trades were sourced from this community. No, I didn't come up with them on my own. People that watch this show and comment and get in our Discord came up with the ideas that I invested in that made me $30 million the year of the pandemic. Okay. So like, it's not that I'm some genius. It's that like this concept is genius. Right. And the people that are watching this show that are active in our community, in many cases are better than me when it comes to surfacing this stuff are better than me when it comes to vetting it. Now, I've been doing it a long time, so I'm pretty good. And I contribute to that process of surfacing ideas, uh, observational investing ideas, and vetting those ideas and poking holes in the thesis. Um, but I can think of a few dozen people in our community that are doing it at the same level as me. And thank goodness, because I'm still getting a bunch of my trades. How often do I text you guys? I'm like, you need to get in our Discord because you're missing out uh specifically no, I know it's, it's great and by the way it is free we don't we don't charge money for anything that we've ever done and dumbmoney.tv slash discord is the way to get the invite that is free if anyone ever asks you for money with our faces attached that is not us but it's a great community and there's a lot of really good ideas there's being generated trade there trade research channel in the discord where i hang out every few days so like so discord it can get pretty confusing like where do i go once i'm in there and like the trade research i think is what it's called channel is is where i generally kind of pop in there and share my ideas and i think those are where some of the pure social arb ideas are shared in the channel which is what i like the most and again, I want to address, there's like a lot of skepticism 
Um, but th there's nothing to be skeptical about. We're not selling anything. We're not advising you to do anything. And so I think the thing is, as an individual investor, you have the opportunity to either make a trade or not make a trade. And it's either going to go well or not go well, right? And that's all your decisions. We're not we're just sharing, yeah, share, sharing what we've learned. We're not giving advice. We're not, you know, we're not telling you to do something. So there's um, nothing. I, I want to comment on passive income investor. If you wanted to see my last three-year returns, I want to say that Jack Schwager re-audited my returns. Um, and he just published them this last month. Uh, in his updated version of Unknown Market Wizards, uh, the softback version has an addendum to all the chapters where almost everyone that he wrote about allowed him to go back and re-audit after the pandemic. So you can see what each of us did after the pandemic. So um, they're in there. And I just shared with you in this episode what I did this year which would have been after his audit because his audit ended in, in, I think, February of 23, January, February 23. And I just shared with you what I did this year, which was about a, a roughly more or less 100%. So, um, yeah, if you're interested, you know, don't take my word for it. Go in there. He can, you know, you can read his audit and, and not just mine, but other people in the book if you're really that interested. So I was just um, to see if he might have tweeted any of that, but uh, he tweeted back in October with the revised edition, uh, published November seventh. Yeah, um, guys, this this is this is I know we're all over the place, but this is a good episode. I love that Dave, you focused on leverage and concentration because I feel, and and Jordan, you were focusing on the importance of having to have the, again, same thing I said, basically, right. Having to have that risk capital. Yeah. For me, I don't, I'm not as risky as you, so I don't, you know, make the same types of bets you do, but I think that there's this book that I read, it's called thinking in bets, right. And um, I think it's a good way to, you know, think about investing, right. Is that you, but you have to have that capital available to be able to invest it's um, psychological and i think people right. don't understand i talked about this in my book that another, another great book that i think everybody should read is um uh, morgan housel's book the psychology of money and that kind of lays out some of the same ideas now morgan housel really only invests in index funds and again if that's going to be more comfortable i don't think that that's a bad idea but what he's more advocating for is just that mindset of being consistent, saving, like always thinking about it and not wasting, you know, you're not wasting money on things that you shouldn't waste money on. So, I, oh, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good concepts you can come up with. Speaking of Morgan Housel, Jordan, uh, he was in the movie that we were in. Uh, this is not financial advice, which is having its L.A. premiere, I think, on January 10th. Uh, I want to say it's January 10th and you can Google. I don't know what their link is. But you can go to Twitter or Google. This is not financial advice. Uh, the Los Angeles premiere is, I think they're selling tickets to that. I would imagine a lot of the people, including Morgan, uh, are likely to be at that premiere event. And I think anybody can buy tickets. So I wish I had a link or something. Maybe we can add one later uh, to this episode. Um, in the description 
maybe Dave. I'm looking for it. I can't like. find it, but uh, can we add one later? In yeah, the yeah. Well, we can add a. Yeah, we'll add it to the description. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about going out there for that, and there are, you know, a lot of the a lot of our friends. I think you know, Graham's in the movie. Uh, Meet Kevin's in the movie. I don't know if they're planning to be at that premiere or not. Um, but Andre's it should in the movie. Be a lot of fun. Uh, if I can figure out a way to get out there for that. I will be there myself, but Morgan Housel was in that movie and I, I, I met him and I definitely would recommend that book as well. A lot of this is psychological. Okay, there, there are, um, there are tickets. I found the website oh, and nice. I'll just post this link. Guys, if you're on the West coast, highly, first of all, the movie's fun as hell. Like it is fun as hell. But we had so much fun at the New York uh, Tribeca Film Festival premiere. And I, I would highly recommend, honestly, go get some go get some premiere tickets. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know. And, and I'll definitely be there if I can be there. It's the movie's kind of about uh, Dogecoin, uh, but not really. It's it's really about it, it follows the pandemic. Dogecoin millionaire in his. Yeah. Uh, in his story, kind of is one of multiple storylines going on. Uh, so the website is, this is not financial advice, T-I-N-F-A film.com. So this is not financial advice, the abbreviation T-I-N-F-A film.com. Yes. Um... And you can get tickets to the LA premiere. Let's see if they still have any. Oh, you, I guess if you if you buy a pre I I have not read this. You, you buy the pre-sale, then maybe you get tickets? I have no idea how they're doing it. You purchase the film on Apple TV iTunes, take a screenshot, upload the screenshot, and then apparently you get tickets. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. So well, basically when free. When does it come out on Apple TV, Dave? When's it out on Apple TV? Well, let's, uh, let's see. You can pre-order it now. Do they have a release date? I think it might be this month or later this month. Be the first to know when the film is available. Maybe they don't yet have a release date. Um, all right. I think it's later this month. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, we're going to do more of this kind of just, I think, general kind of wealth building, financial literacy stuff. Uh, this month of January, I think it's really important. You know, we spend so much time focusing on trades, but the trades are meaningless unless you have the proper mindset and, you know, structure in your life to, and capital yeah. to pursue this type of methodology that we talk about. And that's probably even more important than the trading itself. Because quite honestly, if you do this, and then you do nothing else but aggressively invest in leveraged, diversified ETFs and stuff, you'll probably still crush it in life, right? Financially, you don't even have to do any social arb investing. You don't have to, you don't have to do any of the stuff that we actually do to crush it. It's more about figuring out how to put risk capital at work aggressively. And and Dave, to your point, leverage, right? Leverages everything, whether it's real well, estate. Well, I think that's kind of the point of Morgan Housel's book, and not really the leverage part, but just the, the you know, the saving, the consistency, the 
putting money to work, the thinking in bets, the you know putting money in the market for growth in the long term, um, which is another way to go about it. You don't have to you know place these individualized bets. You know there, there's more concentration power by doing those things. There's also more risk, right? And so it's a you know it's just a different. There's all sorts but, of different ways to go about it, but the biggest thing is you need to be able to have the money to be able to invest. Um, but risk doesn't matter. It literally almost doesn't matter over the long term if you have it, it has, bucketed uh, correctly, right? That's what's so fascinating. Like everyone's like, I don't want to take a 90% drawdown on my money. I don't want to lose 90% or 95% of my money. Like that's crazy. Is it? If you're investing for a few decades, like, is it the end of the world if you have one or two times when you have a 90% drawdown, if the rest of the time your money's compounding at like 25%, 30%, right? Like, that, it's a mindset. Yeah, yeah, well, I think, you know, it depends on how, but again, there's a million different ways to go after something like this. If somebody were to put 30% of their entire portfolio into, you know, a single options bet, then that's, you know, that's pretty risky, right? And so losing that chunk could you know, could set them back quite a, quite a way. Right. But if they, but if they've got something like 5% of their, you know, portfolio set aside for high risk investment, maybe that's a different strategy. I don't know. I'm not here to tell people how to manage their money or, you know, what to do. But, but Jordan, um, you could also have different risk buckets. You could theoretically have. Yeah, two that's what I'm saying, right? But then you still need to, you right? still need to be able to, and there are different approaches to this. There's barbell methods. There's yeah. all sorts of ways to bucket your risk. Um, and I think that there's cases to be made for each individual one of these. Again, not advocating for any of them. And I think, like Chris was saying, the beginning of the year is a good time to kind of rethink your strategies and rethink approaches. And hopefully we can provide some, some ideas that uh, you might not have thought about. And the only way to do that is if you subscribe to this channel. I have to keep reminding you because we need to hit that 100,000 so that I never have to say that again. Please subscribe and please get a couple of your buddies to subscribe. Uh, appreciated. But also, one thing is almost a universal truth. You, you generally, in most cases, you need to have money to make money. You need to have risk capital. You need to have money that you're willing to take greater risk with to generate greater returns generally. That's the general principle that I want to get across. And so bucket your money so that you have money that you're not afraid to take risk with, that you're not afraid to lose, that if you have to take a devastating loss in that account, it's not going to impact the rest of your life, right? Don't intermingle funds. Learn how to bucket your money. Open up a big money account today, today, and start clipping coupons tomorrow, okay? <laughs> Period. Period. Like, do it. Start, you know what? I would say today, go follow 10 YouTube accounts that are about being frugal and finding ways to, to, to find money in your life. Those crazy ladies, go start following them today. They There's should a really be good your one. New Do you know the guy's name that's uh, that's out of Austin that does it? Um, where he just like goes through people's entire you know financial life. No, yeah, it's Taylor crazy. Hammer. We need to partner with those channel. people though. Yeah. I think the problem is most people think it's too cheesy to do that stuff. They think I'm not going to do that to save 4,000 a year or 500 a year or 2,000 a year because that's just embarrassing. 
But when I you think of that two month. or three thousand yeah, a year, you save, I, start, I go through and just like do a little review, and I'm like, where do we spend money this month, and how can we become more efficient? I think that that's just part of being an adult, right? And then and being every single person or every family unit, it's almost like your your own organization or company or bank or however you want to you know think about it. But you've got to think about it that way, and that you are responsible for your own financial future and expenditures is one side of the equation that you can control. And then that leads you to be able to make decisions um, in the investment realm. Yeah, but also, Jordan, there are other people that just will never be as structured or as responsibly thinking as you. And it's what I love about you. Some people just want to freaking hit a grand slam and get rich, okay? And like, that's fine. I think that's okay. What I want those people to know, because I think there are so many people like that. There are so many people who are young-ish or not even young-ish, who just want to hit a home run. You're not going to hit a home run unless you have risk capital. That's what I want them to know. What I want them to know is you got to get in the game. And the only way you can get in this game is by taking big, risky swings. And the only way you're going to start taking big, risky swings is if you have risk capital. And the only way that you're really going to get that risk capital and not be psychologically bothered by the fact that you're going to get devastated when you lose it all the first few times, which is okay, is by opening a separate account and finding that risk capital in ways that are not coming from your paycheck, okay? That are not coming from your family money, that are not coming from your kid's college savings. You have to find it other ways. So start following those people that will teach you yeah. how to do that by clipping coupons and doing all the nutty things. Clipping coupons, because... mow your, think about this, mow your own yard. That's probably yeah. 200 bucks a month. 200 yeah, bucks, the... you can make 12 different options bets, 200 bucks a piece. I don't know. I mean, you know, that's, uh, and you it didn't cost you anything. And I'll just okay. say, I'm the worst at doing that. I was just looking at my own credit card statements. And uh, I just in subscriptions, I have a separate credit card that I put subscription services on. I spend like $1,400 a month on random subscriptions. Jordan, I need your help. Caleb, I need your okay. help. Okay, Guys, <laughs> um, I have a coffee date with my dog right now. So I've got to go. Um <laughs> I told you. Uh, my, my dog is just hanging out in here with me. We 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 have a coffee date every day. After all of this, I'm about to go spend four dollars on a coffee and tip two dollars. Uh, <laughs> but but you know what? As you should. I've earned it. You've I've you it. you lived like a like a pauper for a decade, <laughs> so that you can enjoy your four dollar coffees. If you guys would have seen my. Ford Exploder back when I had that apartment. Remember the Ford Exploder? We called the Exploder. Yeah, we, we it named it the Exploder because it was it tied. Had, wasn't the roof tied down by a, a shoelace or something? It, I had windows with silver tape just because they wouldn't open or close. They were just stuck halfway closed that were literally wrapped around my Ford Explorer. It was terrible. Uh, no air conditioning, nothing worked. Oh, I miss those days. Do that you really? No, right. I don't. I, I would don't. I would love to see you back in those days just for a brief <laughs> period of time, just to see what happens. See if you could survive one day living like you did in Los Angeles. That would be that would be a good show. <laughs> yeah. I can do it. Going back to live like you lived in your twenties to see if you could I even handle it. it today. All right. Let me go get my four dollar coffee. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. With that, we're done money. Thanks for watching. We will see you again, hopefully later on. Uh, what, what is it? Thursday. We'll see you next week. Thank you.